You want your five-star matches? You want your 30-minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. What is good, everyone, in the CWC? And if you're not in the CWC, let's start us off by saying join the CWC. You can join the the Discord uh, by clicking the like that will be in the description of this video. Um, For those who listen on Apple and Spotify, you're probably thinking you're doing video now. Yes, I am. Uh, for this is the first episode we'll will and from here going on out, we'll be doing this in uh, video and audio format. I feel this would be a little bit. Uh, you know, I want to try this out to see if this thing works. Um, let me know what you guys think of it. Um, with this being the Saturday episode, this is going to be sort of like. The episode 100% centered around sort of like the community discussion we've had, as explained on on, on the last episode. Um, I wanted to do Wednesdays to sort of be news and review of the, the previous week, where, you know, the actual product and, and news, and then have Saturday's episode be... Um, you know, answering questions, answering topics, you know, talking about things we've discussed in the community that maybe piqued my interest. Uh, you know, I ask for suggestions every week and Saturday's episode is how we will break that down before we get into the questions though. And there's a lot of them. So this might be a little bit longer of a episode, which I'm sure you guys are fine with before we break into that, uh, if you are watching the YouTube uh, version of the episode, I want to thank you for that. Like, share, and subscribe to the We Too Deep channel. Uh, if you are new here, my name is We Too Deep Four One Three. You could find me there uh, on on X or Twitter, whatever one you want to call it. As well as that's my TikTok username as well. Again, right here, if you're watching the video. We too deep four one three. If you're on audio, W E T O O D E E P four one three. Before we get into these questions, though, uh, we'll do the weekly segment of the slapping meat brackets. And if you're, uh, if you're, you know, watch or excuse me, if you're listening on podcast right now, Spotify, I think it's on Google. There's a whole bunch of sites that it's on, but the main important ones that I know people. Uh, Listen through our uh, Spotify and Apple if you're on those. Uh, give a five star review of of the show that helps with the the uh, algorithm and pushing everything up. Uh, same with on YouTube, likes and comments. You know, I, I it is a community, so I'm going to comment on. I'm going to try to respond to everything that gets left on here. 
Um, again, I, I look forward to to interacting with the people who listen. Let's get into these brackets. If you don't know uh, what what this is, we did a 32-woman bracket. And over the last couple of weeks, we've we finally finished the first round. Uh, we're going to announce the winners of the first round here. And if you're watching the video, it's on the screen. Uh, the matchup for this week was Nikki Bella and Selena Vega and Trish versus Eva Marie. And of course, you see Nikki Bella and Trish Stratus won. Those are the, probably the easiest things to go. So if you look at our second round matchups, got some pretty decent matchups going on here. Um, and for the two matchups we will be voting on in the Discord this week, we're going to do Charlotte Flair versus Stephanie McMahon and Roxanne Perez versus Rhea Ripley. Again, that's Charlotte versus Stephanie and Roxanne versus Rhea. Um, I'm going to post the graphics up uh a little bit after this episode is done being recorded and the voting will start on Saturday uh, when the podcast gets released. Um, but with that, there are our brackets. Uh, and so with that, let's get into um, some of these questions. So the first thing that I want to talk about and so what we got going on, we got a couple community questions that have been asked by community members. And then I came up with a few questions, more so me trying to start conversation uh, with the community as well. And so I asked earlier in the Discord, is the question that I want to uh, throw out there is, will Dominic Mysterio ever become world champion? Let me ask the question again. Will Dominic Mysterio ever become world champion? And it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question for sure. Will Dom become world champion? And it's a a question that that I thoroughly think we should ask ourselves. I was watching his match on NXT, and I got to say something. I think he's over. I think he's gotten much better in the ring. I don't know what there is that you can critique Dominic Mysterio on for what, not now, but I predict within the next five years, Dominic Mysterio will be world champion. I... I you got to get through the bloodline stuff. I think once Roman drops the world title pictures on raw and SmackDown sort of open up, become a little bit more clearer. Um, once you get the bloodline stuff done, but, but Dominic Mysterio can be world champion. I thoroughly believe that Dom Mysterio can be world champion. I think he's pretty good in the ring. Um, I think, I don't think his promos are all that bad. I've ne I, I they've gotten a lot better. I think he can talk a lot better on the mic. I don't know what it is that you can critique Dominic Mysterio on. I, I think he's got that star factor. 
that at least I'm looking for. He's somewhat entertaining. I think um, he he. I, I just don't know what you can critique Dominic Mysterio on to say he doesn't deserve at least an opportunity to get a world championship opportunity. Um, so I, I want to know, and, and we sort of discussed it a little bit the other day on the discord. Um, but I want to know what you guys think. Am I, am I sort of overthinking the whole Dominic Mysterio thing? Do I, do you guys think that he has what it takes that he can become world champion? All right. So the next question I, I did good this week. And I wrote down who asked the question, so I'm not sort of guessing. This comes from B-Master. Uh, I love his questions. Um, how would you fix the tag team division, both the men and the women? So we got to break this down by, by the division. So we'll start with the women's division. The women's tag team division, and I've said it for several weeks, there's an easy fix. Just get rid of it. But I think that's too easy. I think, and I think we could do better for the division. Um, I personally think that we need to put together legitimate tag teams. We got to stop throwing people just random to the wall as a tag team. You got to put together people who have chemistry and people who work together and, 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 I think that's the solution for the men's and the women's. We'll get into the men's a little bit more. I think there's a better solution as well for the men's. But for the women's division, you just, first off, you got to remove whatever curse is on that title. Because every time someone gets it, they end up hurt. Uh, or one of them becomes hurt. But you, outside of just completely giving up on the division, I mean, you have women's tag teams up there that you're just not displaying on, on TV. You called up like the entire women's tag team division from NXT at the draft, and you haven't really displayed them all that often. And so I think it's just utilizing more of the talent that's on the roster to build that division. Um, and so I'm not exactly certain what the exact answer is. I'm going to be completely honest for that women's division, but – I know that there's a lot of talent there um, and you just got to utilize what you have. And I feel like they do a very bad job at doing it. And so if there, and so ultimately it, it does come down to, if you're not going to utilize the talents you have and make the division worth watching, then why have it? So ultimately you would then have to get rid of it for the men's division. It's pretty damn simple. You have to split the belts up. There is no reason in the world why um, KO and Sammy have to hold both titles. I mean, once once the Usos lost the titles at WrestleMania, the first thing you should have done was split the titles up. You're holding the entire tag division hostage. You got Imperium deserves a tag run. I think if Imperium had a chance to win the titles, people would start to like uh, Giovanni Vinci more. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who aren't, they, they don't know who he is. They're not, you know, big fans of him because they don't display him properly. But you got so many good tag teams on that roster. Um, 
but the other part is is like like who are the big threats like who have been the people the tag teams that we've enjoyed new day well they just came back the profits haven't been real utilized to here recently now that they're sort of joining lashley and so instead we've been getting like alpha academy which i like i love alpha academy the more that i get to see maxine dupree on my tv the better raw becomes right same with otis otis is funny i love otis uh, Chad Gable's very good, right? Right. I love that that gimmick. I'm not saying it's bad, but like the Viking Raiders and and Alpha Academy, they're not ever going to be like doing these comedy gimmicks and getting championship runs out of it. And so you got to split the belts, and you have to again make the division worth watching because right now, like like even like your champions, your champions aren't even fighting in the tag team division for the most part. They're just going around playing superhero, saving Cody Rhodes or any or, or Riddle or who, whoever's the face that's getting beat up on at the end of the show. And Kevin Owens apparently has an anger issue and he just wants to fight everyone. You could do all of this without them being tag champions or at least split up the belts. Um, so that, that that's sort of my take on that is you fix the men's tag division by just splitting it up. And, and utilizing, again, the good tag teams you have on, on the roster. It, it, it goes back to show, to me at least, that WWE does a very poor job at the tag team. Like, I'm not the biggest tag team wrestling fan, um, mostly because a lot of tag team wrestling here recently in, in the mainstream of wrestling has just been sort of like the Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros style tag matches where it's just spot after spot after spot. And it's not really... You know, I don't know. It, it gets a little bit drawn out, and and at times to me. And so, like, I like tag wrestling. Like, if you were to go back to like the the uh, the eighties and nineties, like early nineties, with the tag teams there, the Horsemen and the Von Erichs, and and there were spots, but it was like legitimate tag team wrestling where where you you knew who your partner were. That that was your job. You. You traveled with them. You slept with them. You re- you rode the road with them, and now like WWE Express, especially they're just p- pairing random people. Like that's the one thing. The probably the worst thing about NXT for me is just how they form these tag teams. Like Hank and Tank. First off, they get m- mixed together because their names rhyme, and they're a good grouping. But it's just they just randomly throw tag teams together and then expect them to to work. I think we need to go out and find some legitimate tag teams. That's what, like, as, you don't know how much it would make me happy to see the revival back on WWE programming because that's what they've done for a long portion of their career is just be a tag team, right? And 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 so that, that that's where I would go with that tag division is just try to utilize and, and build legitimate tag teams that aren't just randomly two people thrown together. All right, we'll move on. DJ Wavy D, you know, always has wonderful topics. And I know uh, Nerdy D talked about this exact topic on his his recent episode. So this is going to be my point of view of this question. Um, The question is, do you think the art of being a good manager is being lost in wrestling nowadays? Of course, we have the likes of Paul Heyman and MVP and the other legends that AEW brings in as their managers, but you don't see too many young managers in the business now that I think are that are on or can be the level of like Paul or MVP. 
Uh, we need more mouthpieces for some of these great talents who cannot talk. Um, so the first question is, or the first answer, the first thing I got to say about this is I, I thoroughly agree with the assessment being made that we do need some younger talent who can be valet or manager. Um, and I think Nerdy D mentioned this is that a lot of the people who can wrestle, they don't want to take that back seat. And I, and I, and I agree with that point. Um, but I also got to think is I think the art of just a good faction has gone away. New Japan does it every now and then, but, and I think the triple H is trying to bring that back, but having like legitimate factions where, it's not just a tag team, but it's, you know, like NWO not only tried to go for the tag titles, but they were like major threats in all divisions. And I think the art of a good faction has gone away and a good faction always had a mouthpiece. Um, but I do agree with what Wavy D here is saying is that, you know, outside of MVP and Paul Heyman, who does WWE have? That's a legitimate mouthpiece as a manager. Um, and so, I don't know anyone on the roster. If I look down the roster who I think could go out there and, and, and be that mouthpiece. Um, I think it's sort of like the way that I feel like I think, I don't think a lot of people like being heels and, and actually living up through the gimmick because they don't want to get, you know, critiqued as being rude or mean. They don't want to. Right. And I think at the same time, so many people in the business today, uh, their entire goal is I want to be a wrestler and, and so when they basically are told, hey, you're going you're to be a ref or you're going to be a, a manager, they're sort of like they don't commit to that gimmick or that, that role on the roster. And so I, I wish that's something that would be done more um, with, with some of these younger stars. But I, even if you go down like NXT's roster, I just don't know anyone who is good enough on the mic to do that. Um, like I'll be completely honest. Like I think the biggest thing that's really – uh, I don't want to say irritating, but like, why is Trick Williams trying to go on his own now? Like, Trick Williams, as that mouthpiece, did a very good job, and he could still wrestle. But why are they separating him and Carmelo? Like, Trick Williams has what it takes to be that next MVP. Why are they separating? Right, and so I just. I, I do agree with the assessment that we do need some more talkers. Um, I don't know if, if, if it's being lost per se, um, but I think just the art of like the 80s, 90s style wrestling that, and if we're completely honest, that's what we grew up on and that's what, what we like. And it's just sort of going away and it's becoming a, the, the industry is just evolving um, we do need good managers, though, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to use uh, Jimmy Hart. Like, Jimmy Hart was beloved in the industry when he was working, but he didn't do nothing but talk, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. We, we need more mouthpieces because there are a lot of people who are coming in who can't talk, um, who definitely could be, you know, a good mouthpiece, Um like I'm even thinking like someone like Andre Andre Chase with Chase U. I think this is a fa he's a fantastic talker. Not the best, but he does a pretty good job for that gimmick. And so uh, you know, I, I he's he's one that I think could be a good mouthpiece. Um 
if I'm if I'm looking at, at like the NXT roster. We'll move on to another question from B Master. Um, I'm gonna try to answer this one the best and explain the question the best. Uh, he he asks, when you look at a superstar, uh, do you think that whatever role they're playing is right for them? Meaning, if they are playing a heel, do you think they'd be better as a babyface? And you know, the other way around, of course. And 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 my quick answer to this is, I don't. When I judge, so I'm gonna use Bianca Belair, right? Because I believe Bianca Belair should be a heel. I think she fits it better. I think it's something that we've never really seen all that much. But I'm not going to judge face Bianca Belair because I want her to be a heel. Like, I'm not going to say face Bianca is bad. In fact, face Bianca is very good. Um, but at the same time, like, I think she would work better as a heel, especially if, like, she joined Montez in this gimmick with Bobby Lashley and, and, and the Prophets. I think that would be an, a very good fit for her to to be in there, have her dress up and like uh, like a woman's suit and and like a, and stuff like that. Like a, I think it, I think she'd fit that role very well. Um, but no, I don't. I don't ever look at someone's current gimmick and and judge them worse because I don't think it works for them. Um, so like I'm gonna judge face Bianca Belair based on how well she's playing face Bianca Belair. Not that, oh, she, she's a face, but she'd be, right? I, I'm going to try to explain that. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time trying to, to sort of justify my answer. I don't think there's much more to say on this question itself. The quick answer is no. I don't ever sort of, I don't try to be unfair in my judgment of a wrestler um, because... Um, it, it's a, it's a lot of work to go in to do what they do. Now, I still think they are worth critiquing if needed to be critiqued, but I, I don't want to be unfair in my critiques, right? I can't say Bianca Belair sucks because she's not a heel. She's a face. That's the role she was told to play. That's what she gets paid to do. And so I'm going to judge her based on her role at the, at that moment, right? Um, and so if she ever changed to heel, then the way that I judge how Bianca Belair is goes on to how I judge heels, right? Um, and it's very different criteria for a baby face. You know, I judge you, how well are you sort of getting along with, the, how much are the fans sort of embracing you? Whereas as a heel, are you good enough to get the fans to cheer, to make noise, but to boo you? Are you good enough to, to, to make the fans hate you, right? And that's how I judge faces versus heels. Um, but I don't look at a face and judge them the same way I would judge a heel. I, I just don't think that that's fair. All right. So the next few questions are actually something topics that I, again, I want to bring discussion into. Um, so the first one, we had a conversation about like, I forgot who started it, but like best ring announcers. Um, and who do we thought were like past their present? Who do we thought was like the best in, in the industry in terms of ring announcer? And this is a very subjective question. It's one that you, you have to, you know, really it's, it's up to your interpretation. So like my answer is that I thought the best was Jillian Garcia, but she was the first one I thought of. I know Tom, uh, Chimmel was, was brought up. I know Howard Finkel was brought up. Josh, Roberts, I think is his name was brought up. I think he's doing impact right now. If I'm or 
I know the guy who does AEW, who used to be in WWE, he's pretty good. But I, I've all, I always liked Jillian, or Li Lillian, excuse me, not Jillian. Jillian's tucked. Uh, Lillian Garcia. Uh, I always just enjoyed her. Um, but this brings up my question. Because number two to me of all of best uh, that I can think of, and it could be, it, and so my question is, is Samantha Irving the best ring announcer in wrestling right now? I think she is. Her, her, uh, her, um, they, they have a camera on her at a lot of these events and her emotions, the way she does facial, facial emotes when she, you know, is, is, you know, she has a special way she announces Gunther. She has a special way she announces Chelsea Green. Uh, that makes it like, even like as a tag team, it's Sony Deville and then it's Sony Deville and Chelsea Green, right? And I, I know I fucked that up. But that gives a special way she did Chelsea Green, um, and I don't mean to be like I don't know. This is this this might be a little cringe to say this, but I think the best part, the reason I like Lillian and the reason I like Sam is they got a good voice. Like like I'm a voice person. Like if your voice doesn't match what I think it should be, like it, it throws me off. Like she's got a good voice. She could sing, by the way, if you don't know that, but. Uh, I just, there's also the sort of like, I lean more to like women being ring announcers. And it's not that that's the best place for them. I don't want to make that statement at all. I don't want that to be the connotation I'm saying, but like Howard Finkel was good. Um, but like when I think of ring announcers, like I immediately think of women in that position. Like when you ask me that, that that's why, Lillian came first to mind, right? Because it, almost every wrestling show, especially on like the indies and stuff like that, like I know there's guys who do it. Like when you think of WWE ring announcers, like there's only one guy that does it right now. And I think uh, it's the SmackDown guy, I can't think of his name. Um, just another couple names out there. Greg Hamilton was good until he got fired, um, which I don't actually remember what he got fired for. It doesn't really matter, but I know he did something stupid, but um, I just uh, the question more so that I want to talk about is is Samantha Irving the best? And I think she is. She just she she brings you know a fun like if you've ever been to a, a show where she's the ring announcer, like if you go live like during commercial breaks and stuff, they'll show like the the DX cam or the Undertaker cam, and she gets the crowd excited. She's a very she's very very good at that and the next topic that i want to bring conversation to is um here recently starting on monday commentary has some changes with michael cole now working raw and smackdown so ultimately the question is with these commentary changes will michael cole ever be able to retire and i don't know this one's a tricky question i do want to start like conversation with I don't think I don't think he wants to. I think he wants to be a lifer, um, but I also think that he should. I don't know why they're giving him a. Well, I do know why. Endeavor thinks he's like he's the top. He is the best ring announcer, not ring announcer, but like color commentator of all time. There's no one I believe that is better than Michael Cole in the history of wrestling. Um, and so Endeavor wants him to to be the guy. 
And and I fully respect that that question or, or that 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 belief, that assessment of who Michael Cole is. I think it's also a very good job to give Kevin Patrick someone to mold him and to mold Corey Graves into that position to take his job. Say he does decide to retire in the new in the near future. Um, you also got Vic Joseph down at NXT, which I think could slide up pretty easily. The one thing I'm worried about, though, is um, I don't know who else comes in as commentator if Vic leaves. Because, uh, I mean, I guess you could maybe put Byron Saxton down on NXT, which I don't know why they pulled him off of Raw, to be honest with you, and made him a backstage guy. I thought he was pretty decent on, on the table. Um, but do you think Michael Cole can retire anytime sooner? Is he going to have to, to do this sort of like long-term? Cause that's I, where I believe he will end up becoming. It's just, he's going to be a lifer. He's going to do this until he can't do it no more. And, and I give him all the, the credit for the, the 20 plus years he's already given us. He's been commentating since what, like 1998. It's insane how long he's been doing this. Um, so I do want to know what you guys think. Now, the next thing um, along the same line with Endeavor, um, it appears that when the Endeavor merger goes through, Triple H will no longer be on the board of directors. And everyone's freaking out like, oh, my God, is this going to change? W-? No. It's, the question is, will this affect his role in creative? And the easy answer is no. He's still going to be head of creative. And, I, and this isn't new news. I think it's just something that people are just now remembering but when the merger was announced back in what April, um, it uh, it was announced that he was not going to be on the and, and it makes sense because you're you're bringing together two companies' boards and you're forming a new board and so Triple H gets pushed out uh, and it, this was known information. Um, back in April. And it just because of the process of having to go through the government to get this approved, I don't think people remembered that. And so when it comes out this past week, that triple H is going to be removed off the board. He's still going to be head of creative. And I, and I think this is a benefit for him because, because now that's four less meetings that he has to go to. He doesn't have to worry about anything else other than creative um, and, and making sure that the product on the TV is the best product for him. It's, it's one less hat that he has to wear, which allows him to focus a lot more on, on creative. And, and, and while I'm not the biggest fan of his creative, of everything that he's done, I, I think he's doing a pretty decent job. The numbers speak for themselves. Um, we have some of the highest ratings um, on all show. Eh. Raw and SmackDown stay about the same, but it's hard to increase that. And um, but NXT, I think is that's his baby still. And so for him, I think NXT's rating year to year at this point is like up like twenty percent. Um, and so the numbers speak for themselves that Triple H is doing at least a good job getting people to watch the shows, um, and and to come back each and every week, um, to do so. And so I'm not worried about Triple H's role on creative. I don't think there's anything you really have to worry about. Um, I think this is just a, a business decision. You know, you, you're, you, you have two companies boards coming together. Um, and so it is, it's, it's just business at, at, at that point. And again, like I said, this was already known information back in April. Like when I saw that was going sort of like 
around the IWC internet, you know, Twitter X, TikTok, everyone was talking about. It. I was like, y'all, y'all don't remember that this was announced in like April. So, um, yeah. And then the next thing that I want to talk about, and I mentioned this in the Discord Friday morning. Uh, Gunther will, if, if if I did my math correctly, Gunther will become the longest intercontinental champion, have the longest reign, beat the Honky Tonk Man on September 11th, 2023. I know it's under a month because uh, his reign started um, June 10th of 2022. Um, and so we're looking, I'm, I'm recording this on August 11th. Um, so you're looking at about a month away from beating honky tonk man's, uh, rain. So you're looking about a month away from today, the, the 11th, um, which just so happens to be the night of raw in Norfolk, Virginia at the scope, which by the way, speaking of this show being at the scope, triple H, can you do me a favor? Can you bring the tank out of y'all don't, didn't watch, you know, the, the, uh, invasion of WWE on, on WCW and they brought the tank and it was part of the episode. Um, go back and watch that. That was funny, but can we bring the tank out there in this episode? I think it'd be massively and massively funny. Just, just as a quick little throwback. Um, and so the question that I have is, does he lose the belt on September 11th, 2023? You know, two or a week and a half after payback, he beats the record. Uh, so payback's the second. The Raw after that's in my hometown of Charlotte which I may go to if tickets are cheap enough and I have the money saved up because uh, I'm going to Nashville the week prior for a football game. So I don't know if I'll, if, how the finances will look like going to that. Uh, but uh, so a week, what, nine days after payback, you're going to break the record or, or uh, right and then you have a match. Do you lose it? Do you wait till the next week after? Because that's what I might. I think they're going to let him keep it through the 11th, have the record a little bit longer, and then potentially hold it till what's October's pay-per-view? Is that Fastlane? And then he'll lose it there. Because then after that will become Crown Jewel which he could be in a world title picture at that point. Or you can wait till like Survivor Series to maybe build him up to get him into Rumble. Um, but but Gunther definitely, he's going to get the record. Everyone knows that. Um, and then I think he loses it pretty quickly after he gets the record because he he's due for that world title picture. There's not much else left for him to do. And I think there's a lot of people in limbo that can go for that belt. Gable, uh you know, Gar people like Gargano or Bronson Reed and, and, and people that are still sort of lower middle card that uh, could go for that IC belt. So what do you think? Does Gunther lose it or or do you think they're going to let him hold it? I've heard a lot of suggestions that they're going to let him hold it to Rumble 
and then lose it at Rumble, where he then gets a title match uh, at Mania for the World Championship. Um, I, I, I'm not exactly big on that idea. Um, to be honest, I, I think he loses as soon as he gets the record. They're not going to let him hold it much longer than the record. Just they're just the same thing they did with Bianca. She got the record. They took it off of her. And, and then they're, they're going to, they just, what I think they're doing is they're trying to sort of get rid of the old history so that they can sort of promote the new records, right? That's why Roman's got the record or going to, I think Roman could potentially get the record for longest title reign, um, for world champion. Um, you know, Bianca got the record. Um, uh, I think Gunther's going to get this record. I don't know about the U the U S title. No one really cares about, with that record, but, um, you know, I, I think maybe potentially we get someone to beat that U S record, you know? So, um, do you think Gunther loses it pretty soon after getting the record or will he hold it a little bit longer? I'm right, moving on to, uh, another question here by DJ wavy D he asked about the Miz versus LA Knight feud. We're about to get, um, ignoring the brand dif difference, he, he notes that I'm a stickler for it. We're gonna we're gonna mention that point here in a minute. Um, what are, what are my thoughts on this potential feud? So let's talk about the the point of me being a stickler for the brand, and I have been in the past. I have been a stickler for sort of the brand. Uh, you know, if you're drafted to a brand, why are you on another brand show? However, we, news has come out. Reports have come out that they're done drafting. They're not gonna. At the end of the day, the way that I look at it now is as long as the programming on TV is good, I don't care what brand you belong to. You're all part of the WWE roster. I don't give a fuck if you're on NXT, if you're on Raw, if you're on SmackDown. It's never like everyone's always thrown like a conniption fit. Like I have two friends who just throw conniptions every time someone from Raw's roster over the past three months, like since the draft, four months since the draft, I, 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 Every time someone from Raw's roster shows up on SmackDown, they're like, "Look, but what about the draft? Who actually gives a fuck? Like, I, it, it doesn't bother me. I, I don't understand why we have to have these set rosters anyway. Um, and so that, that, that's the way I'm looking at it now. Um, I used to be a big stickler for it. I don't really care now. My thoughts on the feud? I think this might be potential feud of the year. If it's if it goes the way it goes, but here's my fear. I'm going to tell you my fear of 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 this feud. I think that this has the potential to end very badly, and what I mean by that is, um. What I mean by end very badly, end very badly for LA Knight. My fear is, this is just my case. Miz is better than him on the mic, right? Miz is so much better than LA Knight, at least in my opinion, on the mic. And so you're. this is where I've been saying, I'm not convinced that LA Knight's getting pushed because his first feud outside of winning the Battle Royal is Miz. And... I, Miz is going to lose. There's no right, right. There's no way that they have Miz win. Miz's job is to get people over. 
but did you watch the promo? And I'm not the type of guy that sits there and says there has to be a winner of a promo because the way I look at promos is, is two people working together to promote the match. And they're working together. They're not working against each other. They're working as a unit. But did you, did you notice the promo? LA Knight stumbled just a little bit. And you can't do that when you're in the ring against The Miz because he's going to outshine you. He's going to outshine you. This is different than being in, in the ring with Bray Wyatt. Because Bray Wyatt, let's just be honest, Bray Wyatt's promos were not special. He used a lot of big words. He, he, he tried to promote like a psychological thriller, but they weren't anything fucking special. They've never been any, like, they're complicated as fuck because he's trying to display himself as some sort of like psychological genius and then gets upset when you don't catch the riddle he's trying to th throw at you. Right, but but the, like this isn't hit row. Like he could beat hit row in a promo battle pretty easily. This is the Miz, and so my fear with throwing him here is, what if this exposes L.A. Knight? What if, now? I don't think it's going to do much damage. I think L.A. Knight's pretty like he's he's top five, maybe top ten on the on the mic in the company. But he's going up against like top three in the company in the mid. Like the Miz is the safest person to put on the mic because he's going to say his promo, right? But here's my bigger thing that I don't know. I haven't heard anyone talk about this. And, and I don't listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. The only one that I listen to is Nerdy D's. But I don't listen to a lot of the, the IWC talk about wrestling. So I don't know what the IWC is talking about. I try to get away from the industry when I'm not doing my own stuff. Um, I watch what I want to watch. I make the podcast and then I try to get away from the industry. Um, and so I haven't heard anyone talk about what Miz said in his promo. Cause I think, I think it's very important. He, 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 he was essentially proposing the side of the traditional WWE response when people get over oh you're just flavor of the month right and 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 what's funny is is as i'm sitting here i'm watching this promo and i'm like getting all excited because the miz just copied everything that i said in my uh i think it was my preview of SummerSlam, where i said la night could just be it may have been before that it was the episode i talked about like merch sales right and 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 i said is LA Knight just going to be flavor of the month? I said that like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that LA Knight could just be flavor of the month. And that's how I believe that corporate, you know, booking creative was going to see him, just flavor of the month. And then he, then it gets said by Miz, because that's the way that they've typically seen these type of guys. He was essentially displaying the WWE idea of these guys who try to get themselves over. Now, maybe that gets mentioned. So when LA Knight beats it, then he beats that ideology. He, he, he can bury that ideology by beating the Miz. But part of me is wondering, is Miz not just being the focal, the voice of, of corporate, the voice of creative and saying, LA Knight, you're not going to go anywhere. This is as good as it gets for you. Like part of me wonders if that's what's going to happen. 
with LA Knight. Maybe he beats The Miz, but that's about it because your flavor of the month. Because here's my question. There's a hot take that I read on uh, Twitter. It's a guy named Santi. Makes, a gr- makes great content on, on TikTok. Excuse me. I don't really watch his, his full show. But he said, you know, if you want to make the show, post your hot take. And there's someone that said that LA Knight this time next year will not be as over as he is right now. And I thoroughly agree with it. And this isn't me hating on LA Knight. But it's, it's just I don't believe they have anything big planned for him. And if they do, when he gets to that pinnacle, is he just going to fall? Because that tends to be what happens. Like with Daniel Bryan, right? He got he got his WrestleMania 30 moment, and then he sort of just fell. And I know he had the run as sort of like the green champion, right? He had the sort of environmentally friendly belt, and it was all cool, and that was all for merch and everything. And But he wasn't the same as WrestleMania 30. Like he, he got to the top of the mountain, right? But, and the thing that bothers me, the thing that sort of worries me with LA Knight's push is they're reusing – Daniel Bryan sort of momentum. And what I mean by that is to get rid of the yes movement. Now we have the yeah movement, right? Cause they're trying to, they're using this as a way to um, sort of get out, get, get sort of that taste of Daniel Bryan out of WWE. Right. Um, and so again, I'm not saying LA Knight's bad. I, I, I just, I've seen this too many times. Ziggler, Rusev, uh, um, uh, Damian Sandow. Guys who get themselves organically over and they don't get the push because WWE doesn't like that. They want to be able to say they made you. And and so maybe Triple H is doing this sort of method to – sort of put that to bed and then by LA night beating Miz, it's sort of symbolic of putting that mentality in the past. Who knows? Um, but overall, I think the feud's going to, like I said, it has the potential to be feud of the year. I don't think it's going to be a bad feud. I just worry, is this going to expose LA Knight's weak spots when he's not the best guy on the mic during the promo battle? or the promo itself, because it's not necessarily a battle, but when he's not the best on the mic, is that going to be a, a problem for him? Is he going to be able to continue his his ability to get over? Or are people going to notice his weaknesses and start not cheering for him? Because he's obviously over. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't want to wish bad on LA Knight. But I just I've seen this too many times before to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, this is a sure definite push until it happens. I don't know what I I, I can't believe that it's going to work until it happens. So prove me wrong. Right. And then uh, username Kara Danvers in the discord wants to piggyback sort of off this question. Uh, What do you believe will be the legacy of the Miz at the end of his career? Putting. Uh, considering him putting over so much talent. Miz is a Hall of Famer. He's he's done earned himself that prestige. I think he's going to go down as one of the best performers to ever be in WWE. Now, he's not going to be on anyone's Mount Rushmore's. 
But when you look at Miz, like like when you look at Miz, you look at someone who's consistent. You look at someone, and, and L.A. Knight mentioned this in this promo. He's safe. He's safe in two ways. In the physical way, where I don't think he's ever injured anyone in a match, nor injured himself in a match that I can remember. But he's also safe in that WWE knows that they can trust him. And LA Knight tried to spin this as like a negative, right? That that he doesn't fight back. He does what creative tells him to. I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like, I don't think that that's a negative quality to, to, to put on someone. To be the corporate guy is a benefit to some people, right? And so I think his legacy is the guy who was safe in the ring uh, creative can give him anybody to put over and he could do it. He was, you know, he was safe, never got anyone hurt. He, and, 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 and I think that leads to a hall of fame career. Um, I think it, it, it's a net positive to have a Miz in there. And this is something that I never really talk about because I've never been a big person to cheer for the Miz. He's always been annoying to me. But I can't hide up the talent that he had. Like, I can't just be like, oh, I never liked his gimmick, so I can't. I, Mike, the Miz, Miz Annan, will be in the Hall of Fame. I thoroughly believe it. He will be in the Hall of Fame once he retires. And um, th th there, there's no way you could convince me otherwise. I think he's one of the greater performance, performers to ever step into the ring in this generation. Um, and... Yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about him. I I just think he's 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 a trustworthy, safe person that you could put in in the in the squared circle. He could do promos, he can do good matches, and he's what a two-time uh Grand Slam champion. Like he's won every title two times over. Like you don't have many people with that type of resume and then starting where he started from, like I think he's he's an example of someone you can look at that for 20-something years, he's just been consistent. And so I, I can't critique on him at all. Um, uh, so with that being said, we're going to get to the last topic here. This is something that I, I want to discuss, something that I came up with. Uh, over the last you know, week or so since SummerSlam, I've been really putting over Omos. If you go back to Wednesday's episode, I really put him over. Um, and so the question is, should, and we're going to sort of, we started with Dominic. Should he win a world title? We're going to end it with Omos. Should Omos come in and win the U.S. title? Because here's the way I would do this. And I'm going to break down how I would book Omos. He comes in, he beats Theory for the U.S. title. He just dominates that division, win after win after win, associates himself with Lashley and the Prophets, and then him and MVP join them, and they start to just dominate SmackDown. And and you just give him win after win after win, and you book him, you book him strongly, right? I, I said on the last episode that if they can't book him strongly, I'm done with them. I'm done putting them over. But, but you have this one final chance with me. Now, booking him strongly means you can't continue to let him be the boring character you give him. He has charisma, WWE. Let him use it. If you've never seen him outside of the ring, he has charisma. Let him use it in the ring. Let him talk for himself. You don't need... MVP's a great mouthpiece, for certain. 
but you don't need MVP to talk every single time. Omos has charisma. Let him come in there and just beat the hell out of each other, uh, of other guys in that mid card. Put him in the ring with with the lower mid card guys. Some right. Have him beat down AJ Styles. Have him beat down Karrion Cross. Have him beat down Santos and Rey Mysterio and Theory and 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 Butch and some of these guys. Have him just destroy that mid card. Have a great, a good, decent U.S. title run, and I think you could get him over. Now, I'm not going to guarantee that it gets gets him over, but I think him winning the U.S. title like as soon as possible will benefit his career because, and then if you continue to book him strongly, like I've been saying, I don't see how this isn't a benefit. I just don't. Um, so I want to end this conversation sort of just asking that question. Uh, do you think that uh, Omos should win the the championship, the United States championship. I think he should. I think it would be good for him just to at least try. Because the last thing you can say is, hey, we tried Omos, it didn't work, you couldn't get over, and you're, now here's your pink slip, right? But you can't sit here and be like, oh, we tried when you didn't give him anything worth working, well, uh, worth doing, right? And so... um. Yeah, I just don't I don't know what else to to really say about LA Knight at this point. Or not LA Knight, excuse me, about Omos at this point. Sorry, I'm still thinking of LA Knight. Uh I don't know what else to say about it at this point. Not, not much else left to say. So uh, we're, uh, we're going to end it right there. Let me know again. I want to know your answers to some of these conversation points that I brought up. You could do that by joining the discourse in the Discord link in the description. Um and uh, thank you all for listening to the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast until Wednesday. Y'all have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Wednesday.